Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Dr. Robert Creech. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, please visit our website at www.trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Trinity Baptist Church. The Lord is with you. We live in a celebrity culture. I guess television has done that to us as much as anything, but it's probably snowballed over the years as we went from capacity to print people's thoughts and they gained following as they wrote things. And then there was radio and then television, now the internet. And uh, we follow celebrities. There are whole television series given to the lives of the rich and famous and the celebrity. And I don't know what it is that attracts us to those folks. I, in fact, you can become a celebrity just by being a celebrity. You don't really have to have done anything in particular as long as you're in the spotlight. And we are attracted to the spotlight. That's the way our culture is. But I'm afraid that has bled into the church and so many ways over many, many decades. And we see the church as sometimes a place where it is the pastor who has the spotlight on him or her, and that is the focus of everything. And the pastor becomes something of a celebrity. And on the internet and on blog posts and on uh, video, and it goes on and on and on. And, and famous pastors can have great followings all around the world. And what we forget when we succumb to that kind of celebrity culture is that the church isn't the pastor. The church is never just the pastor. Even great pastors that have served great churches did so in a partnership with a lot of people. It was never just the pastor, because if it was, when the pastor left, the whole thing would have collapsed because you've removed the one variable that kept it all together. Great churches down through history have been churches that have two things at work, two channels flowing together to converge into a very powerful stream. One of those channels is an active, faithful, God-fearing, Christ-following laity. The people of the church are living their lives toward Christ, following Christ. And the other is a God-called pastor leader. When those things converge like two rivers, you end up with a very powerful stream. And if you ignore either one of those, the church is rendered crippled at best and powerless at worst. If the role of the laity is ignored, the work simply will not get done. There is so much to do in the world in the name of Christ, and it can't be done by a pastor or a group of pastors on a church staff. The work of the people that's what laity, the laity are, the people of God. The work of the people is the work of the church, and it requires that active, God-fearing laity. And if the work of the laity is ignored, the pastors become simply hired hands, and you'll only accomplish what a creative, hardworking staff can accomplish. That may be something, but it's not what God intended the church to do. So much ministry will be left unattended to apart from the people of God, the laity, the church. If the role of the pastor is ignored, 
and the church is likely to be moving off in many directions like a chicken with its head cut off. There is a sheep without a shepherd is the biblical expression. The teaching and preaching and caring and leading ministries of the pastor are essential to keep the church equipped and focused on the mission of God. Both of those things go together. The active, God-fearing, Christ-following, dedicated people of God led by a God-called pastor who comes to keep the church focused on its mission and equipped for the work of ministry. Both roles are absolutely necessary for a church to be what God wants the church to be. And in the same way, the power of the church flows through two channels that we need to be aware of. It seems to me that the fellowship and the unity of the church is affected by two variables. One of those is the relationship that the people of God within the church, the congregation, the relationship that you all maintain with each other is one of the factors in the power and the unity of the church, that you care for each other, that you show compassion for each other, that you forgive each other when you are offended, that you reconcile when a relationship becomes strained. That kind of hard work ongoing over time builds power and unity in the church. Unity is not found by everybody agreeing or thinking just the same way. Unity is not found by having a church where nobody ever bruises or offends each other. It's where they do the hard work of keep bringing it back together and talking and listening and forgiving and reconciling. That's one of the channels through which the power of God flows. The other is the relationship between the congregation and its pastors, a relationship that's marked by mutual care and respect and trust and authenticity. In other words, it's vital for us to have a God-called, God-appointed leader and an active, fully engaged people of God, the laity. And it's non-negotiable that we relate to one another and to our pastors in a way that is healthy and holy and biblical. How do you relate to your pastor? Now, I have the distinct honor of standing here and being able to say things your pastor could never say without sounding self-serving. So I'll get to say those things. What, what expectations ought your pastor legitimately to have of you all? We talked last week about what to expect of a pastor, but what ought pastors to be able legitimately to expect of the people they work with? There are two passages that speak to that question in the New Testament. I want to read those. The one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And then Hebrews chapter 13, you could read verses 7 and 8. They speak to that as well. But verse 18 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. That would be of no benefit to you. What can my pastor expect of me? That's a great question to ask. Maybe you could make your own list of those kinds of things and decide to be that kind of person, that kind of member of the congregation. But uh, if you need some prodding to get your list started, let me help you out there with these texts. One of the things your pastor should be able to expect of you is for you to remember that 
all the time you're dealing with your pastor. You're dealing with a person, a human being. Sometimes people forget that. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, Acknowledge those who work hard among you. The word translated acknowledge is literally know them. Know those who work hard among you. Paul says, I ask you, brothers and sisters, to know those laboring among you. It implies a kind of respect for them and for what they do and acknowledgement. But I wouldn't rush too quickly past the simple meaning of the word to know them. Sometimes people in churches seem to forget that pastors are people. Sometimes pastors forget they are people. And it's important to keep in mind that when you're dealing with your pastor, you're dealing with a person. There's an old Welsh poet named R.S. Thomas, and uh, he's a pretty crusty-looking fellow. And uh, He was pastor in, uh, in Wales and poet laureate for the country at one time. And he has a lengthy poem called The Minister. And in there, he uh, tells about this minister that goes to this rural church. He's been called there by their search committee. And... Uh, there are just too many expectations placed upon him. They forget that he's a person, and as a consequence, they wear him out, and he dies. Uh, the fellow who was chairman of the search committee, his name was Job, not Joe Brake, but Job, okay? And so you'll hear him mention uh, in the poem, he says, They chose their pastors as they chose their horses for hard work. But the last one died sooner than they expected. Nothing sinister, you understand. Just the natural breaking of the heart beneath a load unfit for horses. Aye, he's a good one, Job Davies had said, and Job was a master hand at choosing a nag or a pastor. And Job was right, but he forgot, they all forgot, that even a pastor is a man first and a minister after. Although he wears the sober armor of God, and wields the fiery tongue of God and listens to the voice of God, the voice no other listens to. They forgot that he was a man first and a minister after, and there were consequences to those kind of expectations. Paul said we should know those who labor among us. Remember that we are always dealing with a person, a human being. Get to know your pastor as an individual person. Make sure you get his name right. And know, uh, respect his time, his likes and his dislikes. Find out what his goals are for his life. What are his unique gifts and abilities that Matt Homeyer brings to Trinity Baptist Church that all the lineup of wonderful pastors that have been in the past have not brought? He brings something unique in himself. What are those things? Recognize them. Ask questions about his life. Know his family. Be realistic in his, your expectations of him and his family. Sometimes those are the only people in the church that don't have a pastor. And so respecting them as persons is a starting place. Know him as a brother in Christ. He will have the same needs for fellowship, the same needs for love and family relaxation and freedom, the same need for the right to fail, the same need for forgiveness when he does. Pray for his character, pray for his growth, pray for his work, pray for his preaching. Pray for those things because he's a person that God is shaping and will continue to shape over years to serve this congregation and to be one of those powerful streams that meet and converge to make a great church. Know him as a person.
He should also be able to expect that when you're dealing with him, you remember you're also dealing with a position. Pastors who serve with integrity deserve our respect. Paul describes them as those who labor among us, who exercise authority over us in the Lord, those who admonish us. In the book of Hebrews, they are described as those who keep watch over your souls and who will give an account. Eugene Peterson paraphrases this verse in the message in this way. He says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? What do I mean by respecting a position? I don't mean that we set the pastor on a pedestal. That should never be done. But it is that we hold a deep respect for the work that he does. It's a, it's a strange task. I, it's hard to explain to people. I, when I was pastor in Houston at University Baptist Church, uh, we had a church that was full of NASA engineers and NASA scientists and, in, and astronauts, interesting people. There were other folks doing other things in other industries. But uh, one day I was doing my work as a pastor. I was at a hospital in the medical center and visiting with a church member who was dying of cancer, and I spent some time in his room and prayed with him, expressed my love for him, and left wondering if I would see him again. It was late stages of things. I got in my car and drove the 25 miles back to the church, and I opened my Greek New Testament and some paper out and opened up the computer and began to work on next Sunday's sermon. And I did that for a couple of hours. And then I had to put that work away and change hats and get ready to go to a finance committee meeting and be able to talk about the church's budget and where we were and what we were going to do about that. And it, it was one of those days I realized I was just changing hats right and left. And I thought for myself uh, for a moment, you know, nobody understands what I do. I mean, nobody else does. I, I don't understand what it is to be a NASA engineer and to push a button and everything better work. Uh, or else somebody is hurt. I don't understand that. But also realize people generally don't understand what pastors do. They have their ideas about it. One day I was uh, uh, shaking hands with folks before service and greeting and just getting ready for worship, and this young family sitting down about fourth row over here motioned me over, and there's a little boy named Peter, and, and uh, he, he said he's about five years old, and the dad said, now, Peter wants to ask you a question. And I went over to him and said, what, what do you want to know, Peter? He says, how much money do you make? <laughs> and uh, I said, why, why do you ask that? And dad says, I think he thinks you've got a pretty sweet gig just coming up on Sunday morning and talking to people. But <clears throat> there's a kind of loneliness that goes when you think that nobody really gets what you do. And we don't. If you haven't done it, I don't get what insurance salesmen do. I don't get what um, stay-at-home moms do. I don't get a lot of things that I haven't personally done. But uh, sometimes it feels sort of lonely when you think people don't know, people don't understand. So the respecting your pastor that is called for there is respecting them for their work, Paul says in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Respect them for their work. They labor among you. Their proclamation and teaching and care and leadership. And you can respect that by encouraging them to 
continue their education along the way, to take sabbaticals when those things become available to them, to participate in the things that will keep sharpening their tools so that they can do well what it is God has called them to do because they do it both for him and for you. Uh, this is uh, one way to respect the work. He says they exercise authority over you in the Lord. Respect that. It's a calling that's distinctive in the church. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul tells the Ephesian elders to shepherd those over whom God has made you overseers. It's a responsibility that is distinctive. They care for your souls and they give an account to God, Hebrews says in chapter 13. And it is accountability that's significant. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he said, because of my responsibilities, he said, I... I, I beat my body, I keep it under control, I discipline myself, lest having preached to others, I would find myself cast aside or disqualified in the race. There is an accountability that goes with that. James says in James chapter 3, verse 1, that not many of you should become teachers, brothers and sisters, knowing that those who teach are held to a higher standard. And so there is this respecting them for their work, exercising the authority over you in the Lord. And they admonish you, Paul says. That's part of their work. That is, they encourage you to live for Christ. They encourage you to turn from sinful thinking and sinful practices and sinful ways. They encourage you to turn away from aligning your hearts and lives with the world and its system and to align with the kingdom of God, to align with what is true and good and right and just. And sometimes that's uncomfortable when we are admonished to consider changing something in our life. But Paul says, respect him for that. That's their job, and they give accountability to God. And the measure of that respect, he said, respect them very highly for that work. The means of expressing that respect is described as in love. Respect them very highly in love. And that's a practical thing. This isn't just a feeling. It's a practice. Here's how you respect them very highly in love. You pray for them. Make sure your pastors are on your prayer list. Express your appreciation. You guys are great about that. You do that all the time, and I find it encouraging to do that, uh, to receive that. Thank you so much for the way you do that. Keep that up. Express your appreciation to your pastor. Follow and support him as best you can. You're the ones that called him here to be your pastor. And so follow and support and listen and think through those things that he encourages you to think through. Let him become your pastor. I know your hearts are tied to some pastors in the past, but he will be your pastor in the present. And when you have a need, call on him. Ask him to pray for you. Ask him to be your pastor. Allow him to do that. That takes some letting people into your life. At first, there's something of a stranger, but you're respecting him for the position. He is your pastor. And over time, as you know him as a person and respect for the position, pretty easy to let someone into your life that way. I encourage you to do that. Express your appreciation of him to others out in the community. Let them know what kind of pastor that you have at your church. You know what will happen eventually? Word's going to get back around to him. And that's an encouragement uh, that is even more powerful than face-to-face -face at times. Pray for him. Express your appreciation. Follow and support. Let him be your pastor. And keep peace among yourselves. 
take responsibility for your church and your relationship. I don't know about other pastors. Maybe they enjoy doing that. But the things that I most, I find most um, distasteful, or I don't know if that's the right word, Less I can't come up with the word here. But the things I enjoy the least is when the budget's going down and it's the pastor's responsibility to tell people they're supposed to support their own church. That kind of gets under my skin. Just do it. Keep doing it. Take responsibility for your church to keep the lights on, the air conditioners working, uh, the bills paid, all of those kinds of things. It's something of a, a burden on a pastor to have to get up and tell people that it's time for you to wake up and give your money. He's doing that. You do that. Keep it up. Just make that a non. The other one is recruiting people to do the work of the Lord and just having to beg people to do stuff. I, I, in fact, I've given up doing that. If you don't want to do it, then we just don't do it. But I encourage you to stay faithful in service, stay faithful and generous with your time and your resources, and mend your relationships with each other. That's the other thing that is not the most fun is when the sheep are biting each other and the shepherd has to go separate them. So if you would... Just take care of those things. That's a way of respecting his position, allowing him to do his work with joy. Keep peace among yourselves, Hebrews 13, 17 says. Take responsibility for your church. And communicate respectfully with your pastor. Uh, Paul didn't have to deal with this, but we do. Uh, something doesn't go right in church, it's pretty easy to write an email and send it to everybody you know. Uh, except the pastor. And that's not fair. Uh, if something doesn't go your way and you really want to talk with the pastor about it, I can promise you your pastor wants to talk to you about it. Talk to your pastor directly, not around the corner. Don't triangle in other members, other staff members. Deal directly and respectfully. Ask yourself, how would I like it if my pastor treated me this way? And just deal honestly, straightforward, personally, face-to-face. -face. Pastors appreciate that. I can tell you that. Manage your relationships and communicate respectfully. That's not too much to ask of folk, is it? Respect him as a person. Get to know him. Respect the position because of the work that's being done and encourage him to do it well and pray for him to do it well. Follow him. Allow him to be your pastor. And then uh, express that respect highly with love in practical ways. The way you deal with each other, the way you deal with your church, that's pretty much it. Now, I'm pretty certain your pastor will be mature enough not to walk around with a checklist of those expectations and give you grades on that. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. But he is human. And his work has its own unique set of demands that are somewhat difficult to understand unless you lived with them yourself. But this text in Hebrews and 1 Thessalonians, these texts are about our side of the street. What do we do to manage ourselves in our relationships with each other and with our leaders? How do we pay attention to that which we bring to the partnership? How do we make sure that the channel is deep and free-flowing uh, on our side of things? What will we contribute? What do we bring to the table? Actually, you could simplify all of this whole thing, and I could have cut this short in one minute, by just saying, pay attention to Jesus' golden rule, his teaching, 
that uh, we can build a great job, do a great job of building relationships and meaningful partnership in the gospel if we just do what Jesus said, treat others as you would like to be treated. Get to know him as a person, respect him for his role, work with him, love him, pray for him. That's not too much for a pastor to expect, is it? And Trinity Baptist Church, you have been practicing these things for a long time. I'm simply raising them to the level of consciousness and saying, that's why you are the church that you are, is because two things have consistently flowed together in this church's life over nearly 80 years. God called pastoral leaders and a Christ-following, loving laity that give themselves to the work of the gospel. Don't allow those things to be interfered with because when they converge, there is a powerful, powerful movement of God in a community through his church. And Trinity is to be that church. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Dr. Robert Creech. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church, please visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.